Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 87 called Candice. On today's episode, I'm proud to partner with Circle Surrogacy. Surrogacy and egg donation can feel like an overwhelming process at first, but having an experienced agency to partner with you and guide you through the process can make a world of difference. Circle Surrogacy and Egg Donation has been making parenthood possible for 25 years, bringing more than 2,200 babies into the world. And what sets Circle apart from other surrogacy agencies is that almost half of the staff have personal experience as a surrogate, a parent through surrogacy, or as an egg donor, or has grown their families through IVF or adoption. They are passionate about helping others achieve their dreams of having a baby because they've been there themselves. Circle provides exceptional knowledge and experience, fixed costs and financing, and the highest success rate in the business. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com and follow them on social media at Circle Surrogacy. Thanks, Circle. Before we get started with Candice, I'm doing a cross promotion today with my friend Allie Levine's podcast. It's called Everything with Allie Levine, and this is her promo. Give it a listen. This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Today, I am talking to my amazing friend, Candace Wall, who is going to tell us about how 10 years of marriage, two brain surgeries, and a seven-year battle with infertility has not been easy for her and her husband, Chris. Candace is a huge infertility advocate. She's the creator of the blog, Our Misconception, and she was the star of the MTV True Life documentary called I'm Desperate to Have a Baby. She is funny. She is irreverent. She is smart. She's a great friend, and she is now a mom of two through surrogacy, and I'm very, very proud to know her. So without further ado, this is Candace's infertility story. Hello, my love. Hello. Hello. It's so good to talk to you. I can't not be honest and say that this is the second time we're doing this interview because I'm an asshole and I have your previous interview on my desktop of my laptop that took a shit. So it's in computer jail and you've kindly agreed to do this again. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And, and really, you know, and, and, and we talked about this, any excuse to talk to you again is, is a good, is well, a that's really how I felt excuse, too. So. I was like, actually, like we had so much fun talking before and I was like, I would love to just like chit chat with her anyway. So yeah, here we are, but we are going to talk about your infertility journey and all the stuff that you're doing now. You're such a huge advocate in this space. And I love everything that you're doing. You're working with resolve. You're doing, you know, writing all this stuff. So we'll get into all that, but if you don't mind, let's start at the beginning you know, I always want to ask my guests, did you always want to have kids? You know, I, absolutely. I, th- I think 
well, you know, it's interesting. Some people say no, I never want to. And then they, you know, obviously end up with like a thousand and they use birth control and titanium condoms and, and all these things. And then, and then you have people like, like me who, you know, when, when you're a little girl, you, you envision your life, this white picket fence, it's going to be this house, it's going to be a dog. And then, you know, a couple of years later, you're going to get married and, and it's going to be all, you know, all, all wonderful things. And you're going to have a little too much tequila one night and then mm-hmm. you're staring down at double lines. And that is how it's going to happen. <laughs> and that was not how it happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, we, we, we it, it took a long time to, you know, kind of get through that. So yeah. So tell me about when you got, when you started to try. So I know that I, I definitely want to talk about, you guys were on MTV at one point, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, we so were. where did that come into the mix? And can you take me from the beginning when, so your husband is named Chris, right? That's right. Chris, okay. Yes. So tell me about you and Chris, when you guys decided that you wanted to build a family and what happened? Absolutely. It was, it was kind of like, it really, st- I guess our motivation to start conceiving was more like shotgun style, not shotgun style. And in the fact that we were like, Oh God, we got to do this now. But we were, he had been diagnosed with a brain tumor Mm -hmm. and, you know, we were having fun being married in, in, in in a very early stage of, of our marriage, but all of a sudden, you know, we're this newly wed couple and he has a brain tumor. He's getting ready to have these, these surgeries and these craniotomies and not knowing whether or not they're, he's going to have his deficits afterwards. And I, I think when you see your partner struggle and, and who is in the ICU and, you know, they, when they come to and they can recognize you and that's a big thing, mm-hmm. life gets put into a whole new form of perspective. And right. so for us, we were like, well, you know what, let's start a family Yes, <laughs> because, you know, tomorrow's not promised. And, yeah. and that was very apparent right out the go. Right. Can you tell me more about the brain tumor? Like, I know we did talk about this before, so sorry again, but when, when did he figure it out? What happened? Yeah, it was crazy. So we, we were heading, we were getting ahead to a Labor Day party and we woke up that morning and he had what's called a ptosis. So his eye was drooping. He almost looked like he had a stroke. And so his mother is a nurse practitioner, but she was in Afghanistan at the time um, serving in the military. So he sent her an wow. email was like, Hey mom, you know, what's going on? And she, for some reason was checking her email at like 3 AM in the morning and, and literally called us from Afghanistan and said, whatever you're doing, stop right now, turn around and go to the emergency room. Whoa, this is not good. So that's what we did. And, and so he went there and immediately they, the radiologist was like, you know what? I, I do see something. Um, we're going to go ahead and get you um, in as soon as possible with a neurosurgeon. We went to the neurosurgeon uh, here uh, in in Virginia, and uh, she said, um, "All right, look, this is in a really, really, really hard place. Um, it's it's in what's called the cavernous sinus era area, mm-hmm. and um, and she was like, and it's growing towards the brainstem." So we were like, okay, that doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, this is not good. And, yeah. uh, and so she performed the first surgery and she backed out. And, and I really applaud her as a provider because a good provider is, is humble and they know what their scope of their expertise are. 
Whoa, and that was okay. her. And so she so was she, like, I'm not the right person for the job kind of thing. Absolutely. She pulled out. She said, look, this is, um, I, if you imagine like the pie, she was like, I got the crust, but I didn't get the filling. Whoa. And so we need to, I'm going to back out because I don't want to do any more damage. And at the time, my husband was defending his PhD. Mm-hmm. And so here's where this is a good provider. She said, I'm not going to do anything else until you defend your PhD because you earn that degree. And I want to make sure that you have that. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And then, then she referred us to another doctor um, at UVA who visits twice a year. He's a, he, um, I think he's, he's in Europe and he, and he specializes in that part of the brain. Mm-hmm. So he came in, he did his job, he did it. It was great, but we came home and Chris had a, he got chemical meningitis from the Durabon that they used. So he tanked. And next thing I know, we, they were debating whether to send us via medevac helicopter or ambulance back to the hospital that he was at, which was three hours away. Mm Mm-hmm. After that, wait, they, what are you feeling like going throughout? This must have been so terrifying. I was freaking out, man. Like, <laughs> I was fucking freaking out because, you know, I'm young. We were young. And, right. and, and it's what's interesting is I think a lot of people will get head naughty at this one point. When your spouse is really weak, you have to put on your big girl panties. Yeah. You know, you, you have to suck it up, buttercup, smile, hold <laughs> hands, you know, cry cry when you're in the bathroom, when no one can hear mm-hmm. because you're scared, wipe those tears, walk out and say, Hey, how are you feeling? Right. Cause how old were you guys? Um, we were 23 and 24. Oh my gosh. Babies. Yeah. yeah. Actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. We were, we were 20, we were 25, 26. Still babies. Yeah. Still babies. Yeah. Still, still very young and scared, young, dumb and scared. Right. And so anyway, point is, is they they finally fixed everything. <laughs> He's been tumor free for um, over ten years now, and mm-hmm. and and everything is good. But he, we still have scares here and there. He still has double vision. Still has issues, you know, mm-hmm. with with that. But for the most part, the the tumor was resected. Wow. But we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we learned very early. Number one, how to deal with a life crisis, and number two that time is not always on our side. Yeah. And so when we started to try to have a, have a baby that was very much on the front end because we were still burnt. Our hands were still really burnt from, from dealing with his brain surgeries. That's so interesting. So it kind of fast tracked that part of your life. Yeah, it did. And and, and you asked about MTV, which is really interesting. So it, it does tie in. So we started a blog after I think like a year and a half of trying because it, it, it felt like, you know, and we did it from both of our perspectives because what was interesting is we found that when we were writing, I, there was a lot that I didn't know that he was going through versus what he didn't know what I was going through. So it was a really good way for us to share perspectives mm-hmm. and, and be able to communicate that. And then also there's not a lot of people who are writing about what both sides were feeling. Totally. And, and, and more, you know, and more so what, what the guy was going through Mm -hmm. and, you know, not that there weren't a lot of people talking about it, but, you know, I think like the very beginning people at the time were stirrup Queens, then there was uh, Jay and Jay Palumbo and then myself, Mm -hmm. but there weren't a whole lot of bloggers in that space at the time. Cause this is 2012. Yeah. Right. 
So were and, you thinking like, where are all these people? I know people are going through this. How come nobody's yeah. talking about this? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody wants to learn about my lady bits, don't they? Come on, let's talk totally. about this. Because that's you know? when I was going through it. That was like, and I couldn't find any, I wish I had found your blog. And I've said this to Jay too, who I love, you know, I wish I knew about your stuff. Cause like we were all, it was all happening at that time. Mm-hmm. And it just like Instagram wasn't really a thing yet, which yeah. has been amazing in terms of just connecting people and you know, it was, it was hard to find really solid, relatable people that were like being totally honest about this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's when, um, so I guess that's how MTV found us um, Mm -hmm. because we were, you know, we were writing about it and we're pretty open. And so the casting producer who, you know, I still work with now, I love her. She, she found us and she found us because we, we had posted on um, our blog at the time. We had, we were having this like ugly sweater Christmas party. And she said that ugly sweaters is what sold her on us. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so in, in the, in the rest was history, they, they actually filmed us for um, about a year. Yeah. And so this was on their, their series called true life, right? True which life, was their yeah. like docu-series, which I loved. Mm-hmm. They did yeah. a good job with all those. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was such a good, um, series and, um, and, and you, what was interesting. Um, oh no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, do you think anybody listening doesn't know what MTV is? There might be like a younger contingent that's like, it used to be a music video channel. And then they turned into a lot of programming for like millennial, not even millennials. I guess it was pre-millennials, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh man. Anyway, sidebar. So okay. Yeah. And MTV. I want my, yeah. I want my MTV. Totally. Um, yeah. So, all right. So they followed us for about a year. Okay. And um, on the true life and, and it was true life. I'm desperate to have a baby. And it was funny because I was because I told them, I said, you know, what? <laughs> not the most flattering of titles, but it's not right. entirely inaccurate either. So it's the point across. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it was interesting because I asked them, they were following two, two of us and one was, it was her first round of IVF. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was my last. And, and kind of give just a small amount of background and we can kind of move into that, you know, later on, but I had developed in the beginning stages of uterine cancer Mm -hmm. and that last IVF was my doctor saying, Hey, Candace, we're going to give you one last shot um, before you need a hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. And so they, they filmed us and the same, it literally was in the same 24 hour period. They filmed, they went to Chicago filmed Jenna and Kurt mm-hmm. and filmed their positive beta mm-hmm. and then came, flew to Virginia and filmed me getting the negative beta. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on the floor of, of the bathroom, just sobbing with, mm-hmm. with Chris Yeah, and, and him holding me. And, and I remember glancing up and, and looking at these, these like two grown men filming us and they were wiping tears yeah, I'm from sure. their own face because they literally got to see the highs and the lows of what a fertility journey could look like. And, you know, they've been filming us for a year. So they knew, right. you know, all that we have gone through, all the shots, all the, yeah. you know. Um, so can you back up a little bit and tell me what else had gone down in that year, like what round were you on? How many did you, I know you did many, many IUIs and many rounds of IVF, right? I did. I did. We did um, six 
rounds of IUI. And and I, I, this is, I want to take a moment and, and stop right here. So for, for the listeners who are, are doing IUIs and, and they're going to their OBGYN, this is where I made a mistake. And, and, and I think that's, it's really important to kind of, you know, learn from other people's mistakes when it comes to this OBGYNs, you know, they, they are great for women's health, you know, you, you, you know, pop into the stirrups, you do your thing, you know, and, and you get your annuals, but they are not fertility specialists. Mm-hmm. And I lost a lot of time and a lot of heartache seeking treatment through an OBGYN through IUIs and not advocating for myself to go to a fertility doctor. Mm -hmm. So I lost time and money through that. And I think, you know, back in that time, there was, you know, a lot of people who are trying to be everything to everyone and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you you really do have to go to the people who specialize in that. Yeah. So when did you make a decision to switch and go to a, a reproductive endocrinologist? It was after my sixth failed IUI. Okay. Yeah. And and really it was, you know, because you don't want to go to, um, you, you don't want to go to a dentist for a heart problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, and, and that's what it's like. I mean, you know, fertility, uh, a fertility doctor, REI, they, they know what they're doing. And, and I should have, I should have been going to, to them at the very beginning. And yeah. so, so yeah, we, we did six IUIs from that point. And then we, we had at the time of the show, I was at my fifth IVF transfer. Wow. So and, what was um, the diagnosis? Like, what were they able to tell you about what was going on with you guys? We were, unex- that's a good question. We were unexplained for quite some time. So we both contributed to some point, to some extent, like, you know, my husband's swimmers, they weren't, they weren't winning any swimming matches anytime soon. <laughs> No Michael Phelps there. Yeah, there was no Michael Phelps there. Right. Okay. But, I mean, they, he, he, they weren't non-existent. I mean, yeah. he did have he did have some sperm. They were just on the low end. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so if he if he had to wrestle with a cup, he 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 could contribute. It just wasn't it wasn't a glaring amount of number to to contribute. That's all. And for me, so unexplained, and then it ended up being um, implantation issues with lining, I started getting, um, uh, hydro, um, it's called, um, hyperplasia. Okay. And I started forming hyperplasia yeah. and that hyperplasia is what then metastasized into the beginning stages of uterine cancer. Okay. So had you gotten pregnant at all or gotten any further than, you know, I ne- I've never been pregnant. Never. Okay. never, never was never, never experienced, um, never saw a double line ever. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so the MTV show filmed the sixth IVF at the, at that point. Right. Wow. Okay. And, and it was interesting because as soon as that failed, I cried it out. And I feel like this is how we dealt with a lot of things. I, I cried it out. I had, I had my pity party on the floor. I dusted myself up. We got up. I looked over at them. I said, Hey, um, there's a bottle of wine, some beer in the fridge let's, let's do this thing. Yeah. And, um, and so I, 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 I sat it down on the, on the table. I cracked it open. I said, who wants to call some adoption agencies today? And so that's how the next stage hit, you know, I was, I, I'd already prepared myself. I think at that point that yeah, you know, this was going to be what and it you, was. You weren't going to be able to get pregnant or carry or any of that. No, so and, what was going on with the uterine cancer? Yeah. Right. Then what happened? Oh my God. We had one fucking awesome fuck you uterus party is what we did. Okay. Um, okay. It was equipped with, (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Oh no. It was amazing. Let me tell you, like I had, my friends were awesome. They, they, we had a, 
a uterus pinata filled <laughs> with all the red candies anyone could find. Everybody wore red mustaches and red. <laughs> oh my God. I had a tampon corsage. Stop. Then we had these games where, I mean, we, it was it was amazing. We threw one hell of a fucking uterus party. And then I had a hysterectomy. Okay. Wow. And, so um, how old were you then? I was 28 or 29. Okay. So what were your emotions like leading up to that? It's cruel is what it is. You yeah. Have somebody who wants to have a child who, you know, we would give, we would give this child the world and I would, oh my God, I would have rocked some pregnancy in, in maternity where I, I imagined myself in all of this. I was so excited. And then when it doesn't become an option anymore, when it's no longer an option and where it's no longer, what if you, you have a choice, you have a choice to sink in that of what could have been, or you switch gears and what what can be. Mm-hmm. And that is what we did. And we made light of it. We mm-hmm. were like, okay, we could really, I could really be sitting here in a ball crying before I get ready to have my hysterectomy, or I could throw a hell of a party, mm-hmm. beat the shit out of a pinata. Yes. My uterus sucks. Yes. And you know what? And that two by four felt so good. Yes. I mean, beating I, the I, shit I, out of that pinata. Oh yeah. Where I did smashed. you find a uterus pinata on Etsy or something? Yeah. It yeah, was of course. Etsy. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> I would love to put some pictures up of this event if you have them available. I have a YouTube video too. Actually. Oh my God. Okay. Well, maybe we could link to that or something. <laughs> yes. So, so yeah. So it, 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 that door shut and it yeah. locked, it burned town to the ground. And mm-hmm. so I had no other option, but to find a new door. Right. And that's what I did. I was like, all right, what's what's next? What's yeah. the next door? And did you find anybody that had also had this done, had had a yeah. hysterectomy, like at a, such a young age? Like, were you able to connect with anybody else? I did. I yeah. did. Her name is Alex Fox. She's on um, Instagram too, mm-hmm. um, Instagram and, um, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And her and I had like parallel journeys in a sense. Okay. Except for she had, she had started surrogacy and then did a, her hysterectomy. And then I did the opposite. So we were able to swap notes a lot Gotcha. on, okay. on what happened. So I, I did, I did have one person that I was able to talk to, but it was young. Yeah. You, know, you only hear like your parents, grandmothers and like, yeah. Yeah, of older people having hysterectomy. So I didn't know what to expect. Right. And, and I tell you, you want to, you want to see a man go white, you you have the uh, OBGYN oncologist tell him what will happen if he has uh, sex with his wife when it, when when it's not time to because oh my there's, god there's inner stitches oh my god <laughs> he would not even like get near me he was like oh no how what's the yeah what's the recovery period like how long do you have to it's a it's the six week recovery okay and it and it's hard it's it was hard for me it was a very difficult recovery and I and I had a partial so. My uterus, my cervix, and my uh, fallopian tubes. I still have ovaries. Mm-hmm. So my ovaries, they're good. They're rocking. But everything else was trash. So they, you know, they that's what they removed. And so you were you were down for for a while, and you can't lift, and you you know, and you there's there's just a lot that you can't do. And, mm-hmm. and of course, sex is terrifying. Right. <laughs> yeah. And would it? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
No, 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 go ahead. No, you you go. Whatever you're going to oh, say was oh, much yeah, oh, better. Yeah. Oh my God. No. So, you know, sex is terrifying because, you know, it, there are stitches, there are internal stitches. And so the way that um, our oncologist said there, there are cu- couples that can get stuck together. If you, if you don't do, um, if you don't practice uh, abstinence between a certain amount, we were like, what? Oh my God. Come, come again. Are you just saying this to threaten us? Is this kind of like, yeah, if you get out of your bed at night, the boogeyman's going to come from underneath the bed. <laughs> right, like, right. What, are you messing with us? <laughs> so I don't know if it was just a fear factor thing or whatever the case, but you know, that was that. And then, you know, you had to get used to, you know, intercourse again and now it's fine. Everything's great. Yeah. Um, but uh, then that was, that was not, I was not amused. He was not amused. No right. one was amused. <laughs> and then can I ask you too, Candace, what was like emotionally, like as a woman, like when something, you know, when you have to, when you lose that part of your body, what does that do to you mentally? Like, so I'll tell you, cause it, it's, it's interesting because for me, yeah, you, you, you know, you identify as a woman with, your internal organs, right? Right. I mean, you know, this is what this is what makes me a woman. Um, I am supposed to be able to have a womb to carry a child, and now I don't have that. So now, what do I have? Mm-hmm. Now, what can I add to the table? That was difficult. That was really difficult. But it was harder as we move into the next stage, and, and and we can talk through that. But at the very beginning with the hysterectomy, I think I was just more relishing in the fact that I didn't have to buy tampons. <laughs> <laughs> So that was silver lining. Yeah. You know, you got to make, you got to find the sunshine in the shit somewhere, right? Totally. Completely. (laughs) But the, 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 the emotional piece came later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I guess let's keep going with the chronology. So this, so you had the surgery, go through the recovery, and then you're starting to explore adoption at this point. Yes. Okay. Why don't, why don't you just adopt? They say. Yeah. Right. So easy. Um, Yes. See, uh, we, we started going through an agency and this was my angry stage. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, and the two by four totally did not help, um, mm-hmm. smashing the uterus at the time. I was angry. Mm-hmm. I was angry because I had to put a lock on my medicine cabinet. I was angry because I had to put my whole entire finance, personal, everything under a microscope and on paper mm-hmm. to prove that I was fit to be a mother. Mm-hmm. I was angry because I had to spend tens of thousands. I think at the end of the day, our adoption would have been anywhere between 29 and 30,000 to do this. I was angry. And, 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 and I think that that was just part of the grief to kind of get me through, you know, what the next stage would be. But in that time, we did have two potential adop- adoption placements. Mm-hmm. And one of them, um, the birth mother miscarried mm-hmm. and, and that was, that was tough because mm-hmm. you know, you find yourself consoling her and you're not as much consoling the loss of the idea, you know? Right. Completely. Um, and so that was kind of a, a, a mental, a mental ba- battle that I had to kind of go through. And then, yeah. um, and then we had another potential placement and the, parents of the birth father decided to parent the child. Right. Okay. So you were like far along into the process with, we were, we were very much part of the process and we were, we were, you know, starting to do fundraisers and things like that because, you know, although my husband and I, you know, we have good jobs and, and you, we had a, we had a 
insurance account, but that was all depleted by our IVF efforts. And we even had a a small cap of insurance to help with treatment. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is treatment doesn't always work. And when you've had multiple rounds, it adds up. And I remember during our fundraising period, someone said, how can you afford to have a child when you're fundraising to get there? Oh God. And I said, and I said, you know what? You have a beautiful uh, college degree. Did you pay for it in cash? (laughs) Uh, How about that car that you're driving right now? Did you pay for that in cash? Right. No, you didn't. Not too many people have $30,000 or $20,000 in hand right there to pay for that. Yeah. So back the F up. Seriously. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, yeah, really. And I mean, I was called tacky because I was fundraising, but you know what? I gave zero fucks. Good. And, and I tell you why, because hell hath no fury, like a woman who wants a child and, you know, cost was a barrier. So we had to figure out a way around that. Mm-hmm. And we did, I mean, we had so much fun. We did. Um, and it was great seeing all of our friends and family and, and stuff kind of rally behind it and, and, and help, but we did garage sales. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, I mean, you name it, we, we did it and, and we raised, we raised a fair amount of money. And it was interesting because of that. And because I shared my story and because we talked about it, I remember posting something on our Facebook and saying, Hey, you know, we're doing this adoption fundraiser. We'd love, you know, if everybody, you know, if, if, you, if you want to come to support it. And we got a message. I got a, I got a message in my, in my direct mailbox. And it was, um, it was from a little sister of one of my friends. And she said, hi, just FYI, I see that you're fundraising for an adoption. Have you ever considered surrogacy? Because I was a surrogate before. And if you're interested, I would carry for you. Whoa. Yeah. And, and we were like, Ooh, um, my, my husband and I, we talked about it and, you know, we're like, I don't know, it just, it seems so out of reach. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't seem like we, this is possible. We, we, I'm, I'm not Beyonce. Although I, I, I try to sing like her in the <laughs> you shower. You are Beyonce. Yeah, babe. Wait, this isn't Beyonce? <laughs> Click. No, I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my, sh- my shower concerts would fool you, but um, right, right, right. I, I am not. And I don't have, I don't, I'm not a trust run baby. So I don't have, I don't have a rich uncle or anything. So, right. so you're thinking um, surrogacy is going to be tremendously more expensive than yeah. adoption. Right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm thinking this is completely out of reach. There's no way, no how. So... I talked to my mom. My mom was adopted and um, she, and she, it was very interesting because um, she's got MS, she's got multiple sclerosis. So her cognitive thinking skills have really you know, plummeted over the years and, and mm-hmm. her ability to kind of like conversate and, and things along those lines. But, you know, I still just talk her ear off just, you know, just nonetheless. And so I, I was explaining to her the situation and she really had a moment where it was very, t- it was kind of shocking. She said, Candace, you know, this is a no brainer you can adopt a sibling. She's like, but you have someone, you have a bird in hand right now. You have someone who's willing to carry for you. You have two embryos right now. Mm-hmm. Do it. And I, I talked to my husband because we were both lying in sand, not going to do surrogacy. Mm-hmm. I talked to him about that. He said, well, makes sense to me. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a plan. Didn't know how we we're going to do it, we were, but we did it. Whoa. Okay. And so that's a huge pivot. That must have yeah. been hard to like, you're like, <laughs> yes, yes. It but when something pivot. happens along your journey like that, you kind of have to just go with it. Right. 
Yes, it, it is. And, you know, it's kind of like one of those things that, you know, call it fate, call it Jesus, whatever you believe in, karma. I don't know. what Whatever it, whatever it was for us, it, it kind of just aligned. It just mm-hmm. happened. And, 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 and we put faith and stock in that. And so, um, it kind of, you know, we, we followed the lead of, of what was going on in front sure. of us. So, so surrogacy was very interesting because I always equate it to, to football. All right. Because <laughs> I, I love college football. I love so. your analogies. Okay. I can't wait to hear whatever this you're about to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I, I, I am that benched player. Okay. I am licking my wounds. I just got sacked. I am now riding pine along with the water boy who has never been able to play to begin riding with. Right? Pine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we're just sitting here. We're, we're watching and our star quarterback who has the game winning ball. There's like 30 seconds left in the game, they have the ball, okay? And all I can do from the sidelines is cheer that person on and hope to God that they don't get sacked, they don't get tackled, and that they make it to the the goal for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. All you can do is cheer. All you can yeah. do is support that person. You're right. just as much invested in that game as the person that's playing on or off that field. Right. But... And that ball is all I had. Right. And I'm trusting somebody else with my, with the game winning ball. And that was it. That's all I, I love had. it. And it was you're, hard. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But you're like the Dr. Phil of <laughs> like your like analogies. <laughs> you put that well, on the dog, but that don't make it a chicken. <laughs> right. No, right. <laughs> Dr. Phil. <laughs> you always know, all those phrases. Or you're like, does. No, I love it. I love the game winning ball. I love that. That's so true. Yeah. You know, but so, it's, it's also, it's, it's a mental game too, though. It's right. so difficult because you asked earlier about the mental piece yeah. of it. Like how, what, what was it like to, you know, to, to lose your reproductive organs, right? right? Well, for me, it was harder watching someone go through the things that I, I wanted to experience so, so deeply, you know, I, I celebrated and I was, I was completely in awe when the first double lines I ever saw were from someone else, mm-hmm. but they're my double lines and I shared them with her. Mm-hmm. Surrogacy is a shared experience. Yeah. And so everything you share, um, but in just a different way. And, and so with, you know, I, I, I remember taking her to Kohl's to buy her some maternity clothes mm-hmm. and some, and some flat shoes. Cause she loved to wear heels, <laughs> which made me nervous. <laughs> and, and so um, like, how about these Birkenstocks? How about these slippers? <laughs> right. you, know, you know, these like nicely comfortable, you know, <laughs> shoes totally. um, or flats. Yeah. And, and I remember being in the maternity section and she grabs these banded pants and, you know, bounds off to the dressing room, you know, just you know, excited because she's starting to show. And, and I remember crying. Yeah. Because I was in a maternity section buying clothes for clothes I would never wear. Right. Yeah. And I'm buying them for someone else because my body failed me. Yeah. Oh, that must've been really hard. And I remember crying the whole way home and I remember just sending her a check for the rest of the clothes. Mm. And she was very understanding and and I really appreciated that. And then I remember just 
you know, there's just so many different stages of, of, you know, the gestation and, and, and everything that goes on, but, you know, we always try to, to do everything I would send our gifts and, you know, we'd do, you know, we'd celebrate every milestone together and, and, and do everything I possibly could to make it a positive event. But I will tell you, there is nothing more emasculating as a woman than to be in a labor room and watching someone in pain and crying and and just struggling in in on your behalf mm-hmm. and labor a child that you're that you cannot do yourself. Yeah. And right. all you can do is is hold in those emotions. And while she was laboring physically, I'm laboring mentally mm-hmm. in that burden. And that burden that I should be there bearing that cross of pain. Mm, and instead I sit here and watch helplessly. Right. Wow. I've never heard of it that way. And that's hard. So well said. Yeah. And so that, that was the point of my life where it was very clear what infertility has taken away from me. Yeah. But in that same breath, I also held her leg while she pushed and I literally got to see my, my child born from a different perspective. Right. And then the other thing is I, I pretty much gave my body and mother nature, the middle finger, because I induced lactation. And as soon as she was born, I was able to breastfeed. What? Yeah. And, and that, that was very fulfilling to me. Wow. Um, So wait, tell me what that, how that works. Ah, it's, it's, it's called inducement. That's so um, cool. Yeah. It, it you know, it's, it is it, one of those things that, okay, I said, all right, you know, our, our gestational carrier, she's, you know, she's being, not being able to sleep at night and she's, you know, dealing with angles and all these things. You know, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I can to participate in a, and, and I'm going to find a way to, to make this work. And so um, I read about it. There is a wonderful book called, um, uh, really looked into it, did some research and, and, um, there's a Newman Goldfarb is what's called method mm-hmm. of, um, and I used five months before or due date inducing. So I was dry pumping, which is awful. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, your, your nipples go from looking like, uh, I mean, they, they, they were on fire. All right, uh-huh. like dry pumping and like cracked and bleeding and, and all the things before, you know, even had, you know, a, a baby in my arms. And, um, and every three hours you wake up and you pump uh-huh. like me and my pump. It was just me and my pump. Wow. So wait, what was that? Sorry, you cut out a little bit. What was the name of the book? Oh, bre- uh, breastfeeding without birthing. Wow. This is yeah. fascinating. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, um, a great book, really helpful. And now there's lots of, now there's way more resources about this than there was then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the good thing is when, when our first daughter came, I already had a milk stash. Wow. So I I had frozen milk already, already available and that was great. And so, yeah, so I was able to, now granted, I still had a supplement Mm -hmm. and, um, and I, I, still struggled there, but I was able to provide and, and breastfeed my, my, um, my first daughter. And that was, it was really healing for me. That's really, really cool. Such a cool piece of the puzzle too, that I feel like 
I I don't know if I knew about that. I don't remember talking about that with you before. So thank you for sharing that. That's absolutely fascinating. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. So, so you have your baby. You I have do. this first baby. I do. And and when they get older, they are like the absolute worst when it comes to shit not to say to people who are infertile. Like <laughs> So this is, this is how this went down. So I, I now have a three and a half year old, three and a half, four year old. And she's starting to see all of her little friends who have siblings of their own. And she's like, mommy, you know, why is your tummy broken? And, and one of the things that's really important to us is we make it no secret who her gestational carrier is. She, mm-hmm. she sees her. We are very open about the fact that mommy's tummy was broken we put her in another kangaroo's pouch. And then, you know, I mean, we, we, we really try to, to make it, to let her understand how surrogacy worked for her and mm-hmm. how she was brought into the world. So it's on her level. So she was very aware that, you know, I, I, my shit was broken. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, um, I remember being in, in five and below of all horrible places to be in at the time. And she was crying because one of her friends has, has a, has a brother and, um, and her has a little brother. And then her mom was expecting it again. Cause she was like a dugger. And, um, <laughs> and so she's like lifting up my shirt. Let me see your broken belly. Let me see it. You know, I know you can work it. Just pray to Jesus. He will fix it. Oh my and God. I'm just like, Oh, kid, you know, yeah, you're you're killing me. Right. (laughs) You're killing me. You're you're killing me. And so, you know, I, I would try to explain it on on a level, but it just, it was hard to them. Yeah. I don't understand. Um, Completely. But I think being forthcoming about it, like you, it sounds like you guys have been as much as you can is the right way to do it, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we had kind of, you know, again, you know, we start talking about it and, you know, I mentioned it a couple of times on our blog, you know, maybe, maybe we should try to go through an adoption or, you know, what's, what, what does it look like for us? What are our options? Mm-hmm. You know, let's start, let's start toying around adoptions. Cause let me tell you something. Surrogacy wasn't cheap. We're not sure if we can go down that road again. Right. And a friend um, of ours who I'd met in a, um, in an infertility community, her issues were more genetic issues versus pregnancy issues. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yes. So her oven completely fine. They're just her buns. Right. So, you know, but our my buns are great. My oven's broken. So this is like a hey, we could work this out. Right. And so I I we started moving through it. Uh-huh. And um we we she started getting all the testing and we did the PGTS um testing because she didn't want to go through a miscarriage and, you know, and I, I got that we were all for that. And I, had, I didn't have any embryos at the time. Fun fact, you can still go through an IVF stimulation and retrieval without a uterus, a cervix or fallopian tubes or any of that. All you need is your ovaries. Mm-hmm. Also not fun mm-hmm. because there's really not much of that's, that's like holding them steady there. Right. And so that's going on. And, and meanwhile, it's, it's literally like a pit crew at NASCAR trying to do shots while dealing with a small child in your home because, <laughs> you know, I have, I have Chris in the bathroom. He's got all the shots laid out. Right. And then I, I dart in, he stabs me in the butt, gets me in the stomach real quick. Right. Slap quick the bandaid ch- on it. Yep. Slap the butt and we're out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> quick oil change and back around the track. Yeah, exactly. 
So yeah. wait, Candace, what, so you had said earlier, you had two embryos. What was, what happened with the, with the two? This I know one two, became your daughter, obviously. One right? became a daughter. The other one did not transfer. It did not make. Uh, okay. So you did a, a transfer before the second one mm-hmm. ended up taking. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And so, so that was the remaining left that ended up mm-hmm. for our daughter there. So I didn't have any embryos remaining. Gotcha. And so, and I was, you know, older um, at the time. And, um, and so it was, what was interesting is going through an IVF a few years later and going through one without a uterus and it was painful. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It was, it was much more difficult, but time flew by much faster because, you know, I'm managing a baby and I'm managing life and, you know, you right. don't have much time to kind of sit and relish in the fact that you're going to be, you know, you got to try to drum up the gumption to take another pie shot because your ass is on fire. Right. You know? <laughs> You know, there's not much room for that. So I went through all of that. We have embryos now. Calendar day one starts for our gestational carrier. We have contracts signed. All systems go. Mm -hmm. Chris starts having double vision again. Mm. So I sent her a message, said, hey, I know this is calendar day one. Just FYI, don't be alarmed, but we're going to UVA. We're going to get his, him, we're going to get a brain scan, just make sure everything's good, but I will come back, whatever you need. I'm here for you. Her words, I can't do this. Mm. And that was it. Mm -hmm. She backed out. We got cold feet. She got cold feet. And I, and I feel for her, you know, my husband was really angry. He was mad and all my friends were mad. They were like, fuck her. Mm -hmm. How could somebody do that? But for me, really terrifying for her yeah you know she went through all of this and she was obviously committed but for some reason something said no to her yeah and and I'm okay with that because I wouldn't want I wouldn't want somebody who wasn't who would have had cold feet who wasn't in it to want to go any further completely but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's yeah. probably like a mix of emotions, right? It, it was. And, and she, and the amount of guilt I'm sure she harvested wasn't, wasn't great either. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I feel for her on that one. And, but I don't feel for the $24,000 we lost. Oh my God. So that really sucked. Yeah. And I went through depression. You yeah. see, I, the whole fertility journey beforehand never had any issues with depression. Yeah. I got sad. I had pity party, but I was able to always pick myself up and dust off. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm going to speak to the people who are dealing with secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. Because now granted in my definition, I don't have secondary infertility, but I still have the emotions that kind of come along with it. Mm-hmm. So I just had this huge loss, loss of finance, loss of options of hope. And now I'm depressed but I still have to put on a smile every single day for my daughter. Right. Who I have to make sure is, is completely unimpacted and who knows nothing about the devastation that I just went through or knows mm-hmm. nothing that, you know, what's going on. So I would drop her off at school and then cry on the way home. Yeah. Cause that was the only, you only have pockets of time to, to mourn and to grieve. That's the problem is you don't have that time to grieve. You have to allow yourself to grieve. And when you have to schedule grief, depression kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. And so recognizing earlier on that this depression wasn't going to 
wasn't going to go away. I, I seeked help and and I got a really good counselor and, and, good. you know, worked through that. Yeah. But I told my husband, I went off for this roller coaster. I'm done. I can't mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And he said his grief and his way to mourn was, well, I want to, I want to try one more time. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, here's my, here's my parameters. I see you and I'm going to meet you in the middle. By the end of the summer, if we don't have an option, we call time of death of this, this journey mm-hmm. that we're done. We're, we're, we, we are going to love, brace, and be at peace with our party of three. And that is our life. And it is wonderful. And we are happy for it. Mm-hmm. But if this is what you want, then you make the initiative. You find and start doing your outreach. I'll support you. But I'm going to, I'm uh, in the words of Brittany Kane, who's Bell Bella Bella, her husband mm-hmm. said, um, you know, I don't want to play cowbell. I'm not, I, I, I want to play a mean cowboy bell here. You know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the front singer. Right. I'm just going to be your background singer. Yes. And so, damn it, if that a hole didn't find somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so great because you never hear of guys plotting this stuff. It couldn't work. So he, this is so amazing. This, this, this is the piece of the story that is so funny to me. So my husband's in this workout group called F3 and it's like a nationwide like workout group. They sweat and like, it doesn't matter if it's raining, sleet or snow, they're out there working out like idiots. I, I, I I don't understand it and I I commend them for it, but it's not my bag. Uh And he's in this group with these guys and one day they're sweating. It's like, 6 a.m. in the morning and and this guy comes up to my husband he was like hey here you're you and your husband I mean you and your wife are um trying to find a gestational carrier he was like yeah it's like what's it to you <laughs> you know yeah right oh. you know, the two guys are talking about how right know, well my wife really wants to be a surrogate uh-huh and, and I was curious if you want to talk, you want to, you want, you want to like meet for dinner, you want to work this out. And so these two guys I love it. are literally talking about how my husband can like, how we can knock up his wife, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Like, it's, I mean, and really it's not like it's our bun, just another oven, but, um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing how like these two guys like literally handled this, the surrogacy. Right as they're like doing like power lifting. <laughs> as they're power lifting. Hey, let's, let's do this together. I love it. it. Yeah. And, and that went by fast. It was so fast and um, it was amazing. And um, again, it's hard because right. you go through, you know, I'm ripping off band-aids left to right, you know, emotionally. Cause like I was just starting to heal with things, yeah. but we had another bite at an apple that no one even gets to see an apple to begin with. Mm. <laughs> and that, I mean, and that is not lost on me. Yeah, completely. We didn't so know how you, we were going to pay for it. Right. So how many embryos did you have at this point from your last? We had three genetically tested, perfect blastocysts. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you're going, so you found this surrogate through the workout mm-hmm. group. Yep. And then it's all happening. So did all you happening. transfer the one and it, and it worked? Yes. Okay. Sure did easily. And so we all did, we, you know, and it was, it it was fun because her, she's got a big family. They have four kids. And, um, and so it was, it was really interesting for her children to kind of see the sacrifices she's doing for another family. And it was interesting for our daughter to see 
you know, in real time, how a surrogacy works. Mm-hmm. And so it was such an interesting thing for, for the children involved because they really got to see what, what a beautiful gift it was. And yeah. she, and, you know, and she was very supportive and even, and, and, you know, and so it, it, it's kind of interesting because both gestational carriers kind of tie in here in just a second, but you know, the birth still hard, still awful. Right. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was so difficult watching her go through that because she wanted to do natural birth. Okay. And that was really hard to kind of, you know, witness and, and, and move through. And then uh-huh. she had some complications, um, afterwards that she had to kind of contend with. We actually left the hospital before she did, mm. um, which was a little tough, but it, it's interesting because there's so many people who came and, you know, we, we made meals for her family and, and then, you know, they're making meals for us. And it was just such a neat community effort to see everybody support, but our gestational carrier from our last or for our first daughter, she had just carried another surrogacy mm-hmm. and that's oh, why she didn't carry her first daughter. And, um, I mean, our second daughter and, um, she was pumping for her IP. Uh-huh. And so even though I was inducing lactation, she literally said, Hey, do you have a deep freezer? And I was like, no, I don't. She's like, okay, hang on. She came by and delivered a full deep freezer filled with donated breast milk from her. Oh, wow. So one of our gestational carriers gave birth while the other one helped supplement what I couldn't provide while breastfeeding. Oh my God. I love that. Women are fucking amazing. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Candice. Candice, you are awesome. Thank you so much for going into so much detail. On another note, I just wanted to remind you guys that fertilityrally.com is my other business that I co-founded with Blair Nelson of Fab Fertility. We have giftable memberships. So I'm not sure if everybody knew about that, but we have three month, six month and one year memberships that you can give to somebody, a loved one or a friend who is going through the struggles of infertility. So holidays are coming up. We think it's a perfect gift. Go to fertilityrally.com for more info, or you can follow us on Instagram at fertilityrally. And you know, we are a small business. We really appreciate the word of mouth. So if anybody needs some support, tell them about Fertility Rally. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.